Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week. How are you, my friend? I feel like it's been a while. Yeah, I think we just spent like 45 minutes just BSing because this is the longest we've gone without talking to each other in many, many years, it feels like. Yeah, I I, uh, I came back to New York City last night. It was a, uh, a brisk, like eight degrees outside, and I was in three hours prior, it was 88 degrees in Miami. So it literally dropped about 80 degrees in three hours from um, where I was. But it's good to be back. It's good to be back in the flow. It's good to be talking about some Black Sabbath, and uh, I, I feel like you know when when, I, when you're off the grid for like four or five days, you just completely like lose touch with with what's going on. So I have to rely on you for for new music, for news. I was just uh, I was on seventy thousand tons of metal. It was a phenomenal time, and I'll just let the cat out of the bag. I think our next episode will just be kind of a recap of me going through uh, you know the hits and misses and some anecdotal stories from the trip. But it was. A really good time. I would recommend it to anyone uh, that is into that sort of thing, and uh, I hope that you'll be joining us next year. I hope so, too. Uh, This has been a rough... God, I've lost track of how many months it's been rough, but uh, (laughs) I'm hoping that we've kind of... Uh, on a personal level or more, 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 more like a professional level, I've, uh, I've hit rock bottom and I am now, uh, burrowing my way out of the, out of the hole that the, the housing industry has created for my, uh, professional life. Thankfully we make so much money on this podcast that has kept me afloat. Um, I've thought about quitting my job too. So, uh, (laughs) you know, whatever, something to think about. So uh, yeah, I, I've been uh, like I said. Uh, I, I said I promised I was going to be better at keeping up with uh, things as they come out this year. I have stuck to my my promise. Um, my uh, my my the album that struck me most in the last week has been Crown's Operation Phoenix. Uh, I've listened to it four times. Um, it is. I saw somebody in a um, group chat that we're a part of. Uh, describe it as an earworm, and I, I couldn't I couldn't think of a better word for it. It's just uh, that kind of melodic power metal that is the the was their last album their first? Is this their second yeah, album? This was their, um, this is their second. Yeah, this is right up there with that first one, as far as I'm concerned. I, I was really impressed by that first album, and I think this one is uh, right up there with it. I know you've uh, had a chance to listen to it. What have been your thoughts? I. It's funny. I listened to it once, and after I listened to it, I'm like, "This is just absolutely fantastic!" And I really enjoyed it right away. And then I went away, and I didn't get to listen to any recorded music for the better part of you know a week. And I am eagerly awaiting uh, the opportunity to hear it again. I just 
I feel like there's other new stuff that I have to check out first, but this is like remaining at or near the top of my queue so that I don't forget about it. Um, I did a really good job in January of staying on top of things. And I feel like losing a week, I've lost like a year just because so much stuff has come out, but I'm going to be diligent. I'm going to get through it. And I'm going back to this crown album because it was really, really enjoyable. Yeah. Um, it gets better with each listen. I actually thought it was, it was catchy, but, um, nothing over the, like over the top special the first time I listened to it. And the more I listened to it, the more that the songs became familiar. Um, I, I ended up really liking it and it's definitely, uh, it's definitely made its way onto my very short <laughs> list so far of, uh, albums this year. Another I'm curious, album I listened- at this, before you get there, I'm curious at this point, is it in the top? Like, is it at or near the top, or is it just on this list that you kind of have going? Uh, it is, as of right now, it is number six for me. So, okay. out of, uh, I don't know, like nine or ten. So, okay. But I have a feeling it's going to climb a bit higher. Just some of the albums I've had more time to listen to have just, I think, and I feel like as the year goes on, that's the way it's going to be is the albums that are you have more time to listen to kind of leave more of an impression because they have more time to do so. But uh, I have a feeling this one's going to climb. Um, but um, definitely I've enjoyed that. Another, There were two other albums I listened to this week. Um, one was on your recommendation, and that was uh, Marco Garo's Magic Opera, which is this um, – I, I did a little digging, and I, I came to fa- find out that Marco Garo was um, – in a, a band called, um, I, I get it, I get them confused with uh, with Dandera, but uh, it's not Dandera. Obviously, it's um, what was the name of that band? I, I had it on the tip of my tongue because um, it was a band I, I had heard of before. Um, I I want to say from from Mike of all people, really, uh, um, that he told me about years ago, and I'm just I'm gonna look it up so I don't. Um, screw it up uh dirtian that's oh yes 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 uh which is an italian power metal band and and so three of the members of dirtian are are part of this magic opera group um and then and then i come to find out that the vocalist um anton deruso is uh he was the singer in wings of destiny like you know how these things are it's just it's so incestuous like everybody was in some everybody else's band at, at some point. So um, this was good. This kind of took a little bit to grow on me. Um, the vocals were not my favorite part That's about it. Kind of killed it for me. I, but, I, I, did it grow on you? Yeah, it did. Like some of the songs are really catchy. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of run-of-the-mill symphonic power metal. If that's something you enjoy, I think you would like it. But, yeah, the vocals, I felt, it left a little bit to be desired. Um, but it was an enjoyable listen. Um, I, I also listened to uh, Liv Sin's new album, Kali Yuga, a couple of times, and that was good. Like, just really just solid uh, heavy metal, um, just traditional heavy metal, good stuff. Like, I, I enjoy her, um, her kind of... Uh, her grittier kind of vocals. Um, and I, I had a feeling you would like this. It reminded me, I only listened once, but it reminded me of Battle Beast. And when I heard that, I'm like, you're going to love this. Yeah, it's a little less melodic and just a little more straightforward yeah. metal, but um, it was it was definitely enjoyable. Um, this was the one I listened to the least amount of time, so I'd like to, uh, I'd like to re- you know, give this a couple of repeat listens. Um, 
the other and then I, there was one other album that I just I, I only listened to um, selected tracks from, um, and that was Ronnie Romero's uh, solo album, which he did. Um, it's kind of a sequel. He did so. This one's called Raised on Heavy Radio. I think his previous covers album was just called Raised on Radio. This one right. is more metal based. Um, but uh, I was I was really. Uh, excited to see that he had d- done a cover of Master Plan's Kind Hearted Light, which he did a hell of a job on. I mean, Ronnie Romero um, is such a fantastic vocalist, and uh, to sing a song that was a Yorn Land song and do it justice is not something everybody can do. Um, so, uh, but there, there's a, a, a selection of um, just really interesting uh, choices here that Ronnie. Um, did covers of um there's a there's a cover of turbo lover from judas priest metal days from manowar hallowed be thy name by uh by iron maiden fast as a shark by except uh the no more tears ozzy cover i thought was really excellent um i really enjoyed the you don't remember i'll never forget ingve cover and uh and then he caps it off with a really solid cover of uh the four horsemen by metallica which for whatever reason, sounded more to me like mechanics. <laughs> yeah, well, Four Horsemen. Kind of, I mean, it's the same song, but like right. the, the way they set it up, it was. It, it was reminded me more of the Megadeth version for whatever reason, but um, just really cool stuff. Like I, I think because it's kind of a, uh, it's kind of gimmicky, being that it's it's a cover album. It probably won't end up on my year end list, but uh, I thought it was worth mentioning because it's just kind of a fun album. If you just like, it's kind of like a almost like a metal's greatest hits kind of thing. Yeah, it was it was it, he he's he's very good. The one knock on him that I've heard from some people is that he's kind of a Dio clone, which is interesting because we're about to talk about some Dio in a few minutes, but um he's very good at it. I mean, let's call it for what it is, whether it's a clone or whether it's just him, you know, whether that's just his vocal stylings. He's very very good at what he does. Um the one other thing that I did hear this week and I only heard it this morning was Powerwolf covering Alice Cooper's Poison. I was not expecting that. Powerwolf um is a band that we are going to see in a few weeks and I'll I'll let the cat out of the bag a little bit. We are going to cover some Power Quest in the very near future. Powerwolf uh, at them too. Uh, I, I, I have a. Uh, I mean, spoiler. I have Alessio on the mind because I got to see him with Dragon Force a couple of days ago. So that's why I got Power Quest on the mind. Power Wolf we'll be seeing in a few uh, a few weeks, and we'll cover some Power Wolf here on the show. Good catch. Um, this cover was awesome. I every time I hear Poison, I think of Brian Redman because he just. Well, for those that don't know, uh, he 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 was a big fan of this song back twenty years ago. So it, I, I thought it was a, very well done. Yeah, I enjoyed it as well. Um, it's one of the, uh, sadly, few Alice Cooper songs that I actually know quite well. Um, but uh, it was cool hearing this cover. It, it, I, it looks like it's just going to be a single. It's not going to be included on their upcoming compilation album. Um, and uh, I, I, I guess as, if we're just going to mention singles, um, I posted on our uh, page uh Earlier or a couple of days ago, uh, Pure Maze has their first single from their uh, their upcoming album. It's called Broken Arrow, and I, I feel like this is a band that just keeps getting better. Um, and uh, I, I'm excited to hear the full album. But the song is kind of right where you would expect to hit. Um, just good stuff from them, and uh, 
I'm excited, like I said, to hear hear the rest and uh and um and also Frozen Crown dropped another single from their upcoming album, Call of the North. Um the single's called Black Heart, again, another really good tune. And uh and just to mention just to be complete, uh our 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 good friend Tommy Johansson, he doesn't know he's our good friend. Uh, I just <laughs> I, I just we don't want him to him feel so, left out. Yeah. Um He's been for the last year or so consistently posting uh, cover videos on uh, YouTube, kind of taking the place of his old friend Palake, who used to be uh, just the hardest hardest working man in show business. Uh, <laughs> uh, Tommy's kind of taken his his uh, place in between Sabaton gigs, and uh, he's done some Disney fied version of Sabaton songs. And uh, during the holidays, he just did like. I don't know, like 25 to 30 heavy metal Christmas covers of songs from home alone to, to gremlins. Um, but anyway, uh, his latest cover that came out this week was, um, a cover of burning heart from Rocky four. And, uh, that kind of just brought him back to my attention because he does such a great job with these covers. And this is just an all time great song from, uh, from the, that, from an all time great soundtrack. So I, um, are that's these songs like, for sale? Or are they only available on YouTube? I was just gonna say, like, yeah, they're only on YouTube. I, I would have been happy to uh, purchase all of these tracks, um, much the same way that when um, soundtrack of our life or soundtrack of my life is that what it was called? That the uh, that cover band that came out during um, oh, that was the name of the album. The band was uh, at the movies. At the movies, yeah, yeah that was um, similar to them. That they actually ended up eventually releasing all their covers online. I'm hoping Tommy does that because uh, some of this stuff is definitely worth owning. But uh, for now, uh, it's all on YouTube, and he's got a ton of really cool covers. He also does, like, Backstreet Boys and Spice Girls and stuff that, like, you would never expect to hear metal versions of. So uh, I'm sure at some point we'll have to talk about um, Rain Seed slash Majestica, but uh, today is not that day. Today, today, we go back to 1992. This, um, we, our second foray into Black Sabbath, but our first into Ronnie James Dio, and our first, obviously, uh, Dio episode as he was the front man for Sabbath's Dehumanizer album. This won a poll on our website. We had received a few requests for Dio stuff, Black Sabbath stuff with Dio. We put it up against uh, some other tunes, and it was close. Um, or I should say some other albums, but this, this did in fact win. I'm sure we will cover, uh, the other albums at some point in the future. Shout out to Terra Maze who, uh, I, I'm sure it's just a matter of time, but I, 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 I think this was long overdue. I'm surprised a little bit that we're starting here with Dio fronting Sabbath for what was really his second foray with the band, as opposed to doing one of his solo albums to start but to be honest, I have no doubt we'll get there as well, just because, I mean, he's he's the man with the golden voice. Um, how familiar are you with, not not so much this album, but just Dio's work in general, but whether it's the Rainbow stuff or whether it was, um, you know, this the Black Sabbath stuff or the solo stuff, like, are, are you, or how, how familiar with his work are you? Um, as far as, as, as far as his time in Sabbath, like, this was really my first foray into um 
listening to him with the band. Um, my Sabbath knowledge really is limited to just the Ozzy era. Um, that said, though, um, I, I have uh, a copy of um, Rainbow's Rising album, which I absolutely love. Stargazer is like an all-time great song for me. Uh, so that I'm super familiar with. And then, you know, the, the handful of Dio uh, solo stuff, um, you know, Ra- Rainbow in the Dark, of course, and and, and what have you. Um, and then, and then, just one of my favorite covers of all time is Ronnie James Dio and Ingve Malmsteen teaming up to do a cover of Aerosmith's Dream On album, which I'll never forget the first time I heard it. And um, Ingve just it, within the first thirty seconds of the song places a guitar solo that doesn't belong anywhere on this song just like the the in, before the singing even starts there's just this obnoxious ingve guitar solo in the first 30 seconds of dream on steve Perry, joe Perry, steve Perry, joe perry was probably <laughs> like having an aneurysm at the time didn't even understand why so I, that's I, that, if you you want to know my history of dio that, that i had to include that <laughs> i gotta be honest man that cover is outstanding like i mean it's just over the top and it's a phenomenal song, but like, yeah, it, the guitar solo is at the beginning is cringeworthy, but it does make me smile. I, I think it's a great cover. Um, I, I just by way of uh, backstory, I am quite the Dio Mark. I remember the first time I heard his voice. I will never ever forget it. But I, I mentioned how I had gone on eBay and I bought a series of VHS cassettes just watching random videos that had been on headbangers ball or different places that's where the make-believe video came from that we posted on our social media pages but on this same compilation was dio's the last in line and i remember watching this video and the video is definitely uh cringeworthy but the song was so good and i'm like who is this man singing and obviously i would come to find out it was dio and i immediately just gobbled up everything he did as a solo artist I would go and see a number of his live shows. I mean, the whole thing was just, uh, you know, kind of beyond for me. What was interesting is I was familiar with his first two Black Sabbath albums, but this one was new to me. I had never heard Dehumanizer before. I have to assume it was your first time as well. Uh, other than the one song that was in Wayne's World, yes, yes. <laughs> and and honestly, it's only the first, like, 20 to 30 seconds of uh, Time Machine is in the movie. When we get to it, I'll, I'll talk about the, uh, the specific scene in the movie, because as soon as I heard it, it just, I knew exactly where in the movie it took place. Um, but no, other than that, I was not familiar with this album. And like I said, last week, I didn't even realize that Dio, his stint in black Sabbath extended into the nineties, or, or I guess maybe it didn't extend, but he rejoined the band. I thought his time in Sabbath was in the late 70s, early 80s following uh, Ozzy, and then Sabbath kind of disappeared from like the mid-80s until they reunited with Ozzy in the 2000s. I didn't realize there was all this stuff in between. Um, And again, like I I think a lot of it has to do with just timing, whereas like in 1992, like I, I hadn't even started listening to really any kind of music that wasn't the monkeys uh, or just music that my mom listened to on the radio at the time, which was like classic rock radio, um, which I mean, I'm sure they probably played a song or two from this at the time, just because it was a new, new old band, but uh, just nothing that really stuck 
with me the way that like um roll the bones did by rush for instance when they would play that on the radio um but so yeah uh just this was just kind of a black hole in my knowledge base and i I, i'm not even going to attempt to walk through the uh the history of Sabbath, because we'd be here for, I mean, we need a compendium for that. It, it's just so massive. What I didn't realize, to be honest, is how many people have been in this band. I mean, obviously I know the stalwarts, but like when you look at just the history of musicians that have played with this band, it is just, I mean, it's unbelievable how many different people have been in and out of this lineup. But for, for, for purposes of this discussion, we'll just kind of confine it to, to dehumanizer Dio on vocals. And then the kind of the classic, uh, you know, the classic early 80s lineup with Tony Iommi on guitars, Geezer Butler, Vinny Apice, and, and Jeff Nichols on keyboards. This was kind of the classic Dio lineup brought back together in the in the early 90s, um, you know, s- similar to the early uh, to the early 70s lineup, but obviously with 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 without Ozzy and insert uh, RJD. Your initial thoughts when you, you kind of listen to the album for the first time, you recognized obviously the one song, but as you kind of like – Got, went through this did you have any like in, impressions that kind of hit you right away or was it like just uh you know you just kind of took it for what it was i mean the first thing i thought of was was this is a different black sabbath than the one that we uh that we covered the first time when we covered the um the the uh the, the debut was it the de- the debut album or the second the no, self-titled the de- one? I, I believe it was the i believe it was the yeah paranoid came out after yeah. Yep, yep. And so, we, I mean, you're basically going back like 20, that was 22 years before this. I mean, a lot had changed in that time, I think. Yeah, this is a more modern version of, of Black Sabbath compared to, to that. Um, a, li- a little less, uh, a little less of the doomy nature to it. It's a little bit more kind of uh, traditional um, heavy metal, a little bit more uh, upbeat. Um, I think it it pretty much fits what you would expect a metal band to sound like at this point in time. Um, It's really interesting to me that like, this is the same band um, that, you know, did NIB and evil woman and, and, you know, the songs that we talked about from that first album that, you know, obviously Ozzy and Dio couldn't be, more different as uh, as singers, but I mean, just the style of the music altogether, just to me, felt like what I kind of what I would expect a Black Sabbath to sound like in the '90s. Uh, had I known that Black Sabbath existed it, in the '90s, yeah, yeah, it's it's funny because the maturity in the songwriting and it's like they 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 maintain their core sound. I, I think that there's a couple of songs on here that are a little doomier than others, but by the for the most part, they've the, the songwriting had obviously matured, and they tried to stay relevant with the times. And, I, and I'll point out a couple of tracks in particular, which I think are really really interesting. But by and large, this was a more modern, more polished, more um, in many ways commercial sounding record for 1992, and I, that's not a bad thing. I actually like the album a lot, and. Again, maybe it's because whenever I hear Dio sing on something, I feel just like automatically compelled to smile because I think he's he's so good. But like 
there was something about this record that did strike the right chord for me. And, and it was nice to hear something with him singing that I had just never heard before. Um, because I always would, I would always go back to the mob rules or I would go back to, uh, you know, some of the rainbow stuff, like you mentioned, but this was, this was nice and, and definitely fitting because it would only be a matter of years before we would become like head over heels into some of, um, if not Black Sabbath per se, stuff that was obviously very much influenced by by Sabbath and some of those earlier metal bands. Yeah, I think you absolutely hit the nail on the head. So um, th- this was a, a one-off uh, Dio reunion. Um, he wasn't on the previous Black Sabbath album and he wouldn't be on the following one. Is that correct is that yeah uh, they, they would come out with an album about two years later called cross purposes but uh back tony martin is back on vocals and he would pop in and out of the band himself i believe he even did some demo recordings for dehumanizer because i think the album was written for him and then they kind of just tagged dio back in and it was like time time to time to you know time to record and and it was whatnot. like uh, axe from demolition <laughs> yeah pretty much i mean like it was like they who who was the original axe uh, Bill, the, oh, before Bill Eadie? Yeah. It was, he was supposed to be like Moondog Rex or Moondog Spot or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's That's where we're at at this point with Moondog references. And ironically, it was about the same time, maybe a couple of years after. But I, I digress. Um, I'll be also, honest. Also, not, not, this is neither here nor there, but Sami Zayn is very over right now. Yeah, we'll so talk I, about that later. Yeah, I, 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 that's... <laughs> story for another day but yeah so um this album is kind of a one-off for the reunion deal would obviously get back with sabbath again when they did that heaven and hell thing back in uh you know probably a decade or so now ago uh you know 15 years ago um but interesting stuff and it's interesting you got 10 tracks it clocks in at about 52 minutes which is you know kind of meaty uh for for that time you know 52 minutes for an album in 1992 is impressive but you know, a lot of these songs are they they run about five or six minutes a piece, which I thought was, again, uh, indicative of of just the improved or I should say like the progression in the songwriting for for a number of this stuff. But without further ado, I, I guess let's just get into it. The the album kicks off, which with one of their doomier songs, I think, and it's a it's kind of a modern take on that seventies doom sound. And the the song is called Computer God. And right away, I, I think one of the first things that struck me was this was just top notch production. For, for the instruments with Dio's vocals just kind of soaring over the top. It, it's it's not it's not like Candlemas Doom where it's almost slow, like painfully slow, but it's it's definitely slower than a lot of the Dio stuff that had come out five or ten years prior to this, you know, with, with his solo band. Um but I, I found the song to be really, really interesting because all of a sudden there was this instrumental breakdown about midway through. And to me it sounded more like um either Dio with Rainbow or even the Dio solo stuff than, than the Black Sabbath stuff uh, did or what have you. But then it would go right back into the core of the song, which was more of that Doom style. Um, really good song, a lot of contrast here and kind of just a lot to digest for, for um, you know, Dio's return to the band. Yeah, I, I have to say, like, this first track, I think, was a good uh, way to kick things off because I found... I found this album to be more accessible than I thought it was going to be. Um, I, I thought that this was going to take like maybe more listens than I had the time to give it to like really let it sink in. Um, but it was, it was, I think when you said like radio friendly, I think that was kind of a good way of putting it. Cause it does have a very accessible nature to it, which 
was probably grasping straws in 92, trying to get a metal song onto the radio at that time. Um, but this, yeah, this was an interesting way to kind of kick things off. Um, it's, it's definitely not the, uh, the, the speediest or, or fastest song on the album, but, um, I think once you just hear Dio jump in and start singing, you're like, there's something just so, uh, comforting about hearing his voice it's just uh he's such a legend and he's so good and it's just like i feel like i enjoyed this album more than i would have if somebody else was the singer if it was tony martin or ozzy or anybody else i just feel like it 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 really works with his style and i think that to that point um there might not be a better example than the second track after all the dead and and the reason i say that is because I don't particularly think this is a great song. I think it is average at best, but Dio just shines on something like this and it almost makes the track like thoroughly enjoyable, even though the song itself is a little bit pedestrian. As soon as this thing kicked off, I immediately said this is like a darker, slower version of Kiss's War Machine, that opening riff. I'm like, to me, it's it's all I could hear for a song that had come out 10 years prior. Um, but it's just somehow a little bit slower than the prior tune and not as melodic, a little vanilla, a little like repetitive in places. But again, Dio was so good that I, I'm not going to say I didn't like the song. I just didn't like it as some of the others on the album. Yeah. Agreed. It's, um, it's kind of dark. It's got kind of a darkness to it. Um, almost kind of a marching kind of tempo to it. Um, Yeah. So it's a solid, it's a solid song, but I, gravitated more towards the stuff that sounded like the next song tv crimes that was more i I would say almost even has some a semblance of kind of a pop kind of vibe to it just something that's a little bit more accessible slash mainstream slash radio friendly but that was like the first song on the album where i was like oh okay here we go this is something i can really sink my teeth into I got to be honest, this song was like almost upbeat for Sabbath, right? Like it it sounds to me more like it should have been on, um, you know, I don't want to say Holy Diver, but think of like one maybe one of those, you know, mid to late 80s Dio albums. This to me sounds like it could have been on on one of those. Um, I, I ne- like I said, I'd never heard Black Sabbath sound like this. And I love this song after the first listen. I love the fact that even though it's more upbeat, that classic, uh, those classic ba- bass and low end sounds are still intact. But it's just this cheerier chorus kind of on top of it with 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 Naomi's guitar sound. I love this song. In fact, um, it, I, I liked it the first time I heard it, and it just got better and better for me. I, I'm actually going to make it my song of the week. It it's, uh, was a definite consideration for me maybe even the runner-up um uh, you choosing it makes it easier for me to pick something else so uh let's uh let's give it a listen because um i think it's a, a a worthy choice very very good tune so uh here is tv crimes
I got to be honest with you. I think what does it for me is not only are the verses on that one good, but the the chorus is just so catchy and satisfying. I feel like, I don't know, as a sucker for that 80s Dio sound, this is like the next logical step. But with again, with that low end that you can only get from a band like Sabbath, really good stuff. Really good. Yeah, I I just I really like these songs like this um, that really have that chugging guitar kind of sound. Like it's just, I don't know, it's just so easy to just it just grabs you and, and sucks you in right away. And so, uh, yeah, this was one of the songs that really stuck out for me. So, uh, yeah, like I said before, good, good choice. So I, I then t- I guess in that same vein, a song like letters from earth, the next track, probably not as much of a fan for you, I guess, because this is really kind of like candle mass style doom here. It's slow. It's, it's very, very, um, very, very dark. I have to say, though, the bridge on this song is just absolutely outstanding. And then it's almost like the song kind of takes on a second life when you get to this instrumental section. Phenomenal guitar solo. Um, You can really hear the band kind of trying to modernize their sound with a track like this. Um, But because of the the slow start, I'm wondering if it didn't hit the mark for you as much. Yeah, I mean, I didn't like it as much as the previous song, but it's good. Like, it's the sort of thing where the vocals really make it like if it was a different singer, I might not have thought too much of it, but because it's Dio, it, 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 you know, adds, uh, it adds more depth and enjoyability for me. Um, but yeah, I think you kind of, uh, described it quite well. Um, that I, I didn't really think too much one way or the other, but I, I definitely thought it was a, a solid tune. What about, um, Master of Insanity, which kind of closes out side A of this album. I think this was one of the few songs that I had heard before because I remember hearing this. I, I could not tell you where. I don't even think I knew that the song existed, but it's somewhere in my consciousness. I definitely had heard this. Um, and I, I'm curious to get your thoughts because I, I have some I have some of my own. Um, yeah, I like this song because it's because it kind of picks things up a little bit again after an, after a slower kind of you know, after all the dead and letters from earth kind of, or two of these, um, kind of, uh, more darker kind of slower kind of tunes, which I don't like as much as these songs that have more, I don't know if pop is the right word for it, but it does have more of that kind of more hooks and more, uh, stuff that would make for more of a radio friendly kind of, kind of tune. Um, so I I thought this was kind of just uh, a pretty solid tune overall. I like this quite a bit. Um, one of the probably one of the songs that I would put on the top half of songs that I enjoyed on the album on a whole. It 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 was a little repetitive, but it has a bit of a magnetic quality to it. And by that, I just mean like the listener is just kind of drawn to the way that the chorus lays itself out. It's very very catchy. And the instrumental section is almost like proggy in a way, the way it's constructed, like they were kind of expanding their repertoire a little bit. Um, I like this song. Not my favorite, not not by any means, but definitely in the top half, like you say. I, I can understand why um, I must have gotten ra- radio play of some sort because I just don't know where I would have heard it before. But interesting, interesting song. And that brings us to the one song you did know, which was Time Machine. Now, why don't you set the stage for everyone as 
listen, I love Wayne's World, but you are our, our resident Wayne's World fanatic. So talk about this song and when it comes on, because I don't even remember. I, I, I It's been a while since I've seen it, but I have a feeling you, you're going to be able to lay it out pretty nicely. Yeah, so there's a scene in the movie where um, Wayne is driving his car and he's uh, speeding, speeding towards uh, – I'm trying to remember. I guess he was – trying to figure out where he was heading to i think he was trying to break up the the music video shoot that his girlfriend cassandra was doing with rob lowe's creepy character benjamin and he gets pulled over for you know for speeding and you just see the cop walking towards his car and he's like fixing his hair trying to look okay and and you just you only see the cop from the neck down and the cop ducks down to look through the window and it's robert patrick from Terminator 2 as T-1000 and he has the photo and he's like, have you seen this boy? And Wayne just screams and speeds off and then the beginning of Time Machine just kicks in or it's like... But I don't even think you get to the point where Dio starts singing in the movie and I'm going to make this my song of the week, not because it was in Wayne's World, but because the part of the song that I had never heard before was this, the part that I ended up really enjoying quite a bit. I think this is a really cool song. I think that it's um, up there with TV crimes, uh, both in quality as far as I'm concerned, but also similar in, in kind of construction and that it has a little bit more of a faster pace to it. So um Let's let's give it a uh, a listen. Uh, Wayne's World's uh, time machine, uh, as co-opted by Black Sabbath. Looks like the change is on. Tomorrow's never gone. Today just never comes. I think you make an excellent, excellent choice. I, if I had to pick a second one, I probably would have chosen this one myself. It, it also has that 80s Dio feel for me, which obviously is never a bad thing. What stood out on this particular track, I thought the drums were just absolutely fantastic. And I, I can't exactly say why, but the way that a piece just kind of, I don't know, puts his own ingenuity or his own blend on this stuff, I thought was really, really fantastic. Uh, and again, another another big, big over-the-top chorus. Um, I thought it was the most memorable chorus on the album. Up there, for sure. I, I, this or this or, this or TV Crimes, I think. Um, but just a really good track. It's interesting that the movie would kind of chop it up the way that they do because it, there's there's a lot more to this track than, you know, than the movie itself, which, you know, yeah, it's I mean, I could definitely, I could definitely see the appeal of wanting to use that opening of the track sure. because it just, it really just kicks off with the uh, this heavy guitars and stuff. But and and I always wondered, like, what, ba- like, what band is this? Like, this from this part of the movie. And when I finally got my hands on the Wayne's World soundtrack, I was like, 
I would not have guessed Black Sabbath, but uh, that's kind of a cool little trivia thing that I can add to uh, one of my all-time favorite movies. There you go. Um, let's let's talk track seven, which is Sins of the Father. This one has a very different vibe for me, and I'm, I'm curious to see if what I noticed or what I thought was like kind of something that like came across your, your, yours, you know, your years as well. I can totally close my eyes and hear Ozzy singing this one. And I don't say that a lot about most of this stuff because I think that they, the, the, the Dio stuff and the Ozzy stuff is very, very distinct. But this one, I feel like it could have been written for Ozzy, which was interesting. I can almost hear him singing it. But what's even more interesting to me is again, thinking about the time it's 1992, this song has a really early like Alice in Chains or even a Smashing Pumpkins vibe to it. And I almost wonder if the band was trying like to go a little alternative, you know, at the early early stages of this stuff. Um, I, I don't hate it. I don't love it. I, I, I just I, I struggle to form an opinion about this one, but I thought it was really unique and very, very different. And then you, eventually the song gets a little bit heavier. And then all of a sudden I distinctly hear Judas Priest. So like this, this has a lot going on here, but I kind of, I, I guess it's growing on me a little bit because I'm talking about it with a smile on my face, but I, I, I want to hear your thoughts and any, is anything I'm saying like resonating with you? Or I like- absolutely heard get the guitars and thought like, why does this sound like, like early nineties alternative? Like, yeah. Has, okay. So it's not me. Yeah. It, 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 but just the guitars, like not the, not everything else. It was just the act, whatever tone that the the guitars were were you in this song tony iomi it sounded like it could have been like you said like on an alice in chains or one of the heavier alt bands but like, why, i couldn't put my finger like, on it i was like is this yeah. like candle box or like what am i thinking of here um but yeah you're right then it just it kind of like leaves that area and, and then yeah like i i i've Pretty much felt the same way you did. That's I, I, funny you should say. I, I definitely, definitely got that kind of vibe from it. But then also, like, I also felt like the song on a whole had kind of an 80s, like a late 80s kind of vibe to it. And I could totally, I totally get what you're saying. Like, I could picture Ozzy singing this one for sure. Did I don't you know like if it? I would, I don't know if I'd say that about any of the other songs on the album. Did you, did you enjoy it or was it just kind of take it or leave it? No, I liked it. I thought it was um I thought it was good. I just had like a serious deja vu right there. That was really strange. Huh. Uh, <laughs> uh I it was I would say it was um probably in my in the top half of the songs that I enjoyed on the album. I thought it was pre- pretty good. Um pretty solid and and I liked that it had a lot of different kind of flavors all kind of rolled into one. Much like Too Late, the next track I think. Um this one starts off with this like ambient sound, which you don't really expect to hear on a Sabbath album, but it kind of gives way to this acoustic guitar interlude, which is again another kind of feature that you don't normally hear. But and then once Dio starts singing, like I the first time I heard this, I immediately was thinking, well, here here's a ballad. But then the full band comes in and it winds up being this pretty epic tune. Um, and then halfway through turns more into that power ballad sound again with the same pacing but just a ridiculous guitar solo i really like this song and i didn't think that i would but i think the album needed something like this uh and it was just a well-constructed song and it goes to that maturity i was speaking about i don't think it was on better display than on too late 
it it's um I felt like it was uh it slowed things down without getting dark or, yeah. or as dark as as some of the slower songs that were on earlier on the album. It definitely has a little bit more of a I guess as as much of a love songs vibe as you're gonna get from uh, a Black Sabbath. Sabbath. And it clocks in at almost seven minutes. I mean, it is an epic song by by the standards of the day. I just thought it was really really well done even though i it's not my favorite but i i i like what they were trying to do here and and the album needed something like this like i said yeah did you getting as we're getting towards the end did you find that the album had like uh that built towards the end did you feel like it was kind of even the way all the way through i felt like i enjoyed the second half of the album a bit more than the first you know or we I, could wait until the end to dis- discuss the no, album no, on a whole I mean, but I, well, I'll say it this way. I don't think I necessarily realized that. I just thought that some of the ideas on the back end of this album, specifically with Bury Alive, which we'll get to in a second, but I thought that some of the ideas that they kind of had on this were more interesting than the front end, even though I might have liked the songs on the front end a little bit better, if that makes sense. Again, depending on the song. I I, I think that when you're just going back to uh, After All the Dead, I feel like that track could have been buried on this album and it would have been better off than Well Served at the front. Um, but not, not, not bad. Um, the one track on the back end that I didn't love was actually track nine, which is called I, the guitar riff here is just screaming late eighties. And that riff kind of permeates a lot of the song. It's very good. Um, the lyrics fall a bit flat for me, although I think the vocal performance itself is good. It's just not a favorite of mine. And I'm kind of happy that it was in the back, it's just a bit nondescript. And then you have these backing vocals towards the end that they add in. I thought it knocked it down even another peg because I just didn't think it was that well done. Um, Ronnie can sing for me anytime, but the backing vocals lost me a bit. Um, so it, it, it I, I knock this song, but then I hear Buried Alive at the end, which I'll get to, like I said. And I, I thought that that was really, really cool. But talk to me about I. The, the, the beginning of this song, of all things... Reminded me of a song from an album that came out the very same year, um, Manowar's Burning, which was oh. on Triumph of Steel. Um, it's n- probably my least, arguably one of my, arguably my, one of the two songs from that this album that I don't really like that much on an album of songs that I actually like a lot. There's, it's like six songs that I really like and two songs that I think are not even in like my top 50 Manowar songs of all time, it's, it's kind of a weird album. I, I have a feeling we'll talk about it in long form one of these days, just cause uh, it was one of the, at least for me, probably for you too, it was one of the very first metal albums I ever owned. Oh, um, for sure. So, uh, but the, just the way the guitars opened up this track, it reminded me of very much of this, that, that same song where it's just kind of like this mid tempo, uh, just heavy metal guitar sound. Um, I think I enjoyed the song a bit more than you did. I thought it was kind of one of the better of the kind of mid mid paced songs that didn't have as much of the uh, much as the oomph of the TV crimes and time machines. Um, but I thought for like a, a mid paced song, it, it kind of kept my interest all the way through, and and I thought it was I thought it was pretty pretty solid i think i liked it a bit more than you did and i i 
think that's well said. Um, I like the comparison. That's a song I haven't heard in some time. We, we definitely, we, we need to go back and cover some more Man of War. But um, I, I do think this album ends exceptionally well. And it's really interesting because um, it's got this dark riff that starts it off. That's almost like sludgy in a way. And then it has this weird deal vocal effects that kind of come in over the top. And this one is like the perfect marriage of old Black Sabbath and 90s alt rock. I loved it. I thought it was a really, really cool way to end it. Normally, I'm not a huge fan of like down-tuned guitars, but here I think Iomi kind of goes down a little bit with with that guitar tone. Uh, kind of a interesting instrumental section as well towards the end and some great guitar solos. This is just a good punishing closing track which is kind of the way i want to end a black sabbath record i you really nailed that <laughs> description oh, that thank was, you thank you yeah that was nicely done um yeah I, I thought this was a great tune great way to end things off i thought i really just thought the whole side b of this album was really strong um i i enjoyed the whole album i thought um side a was very good but i thought side b was even even better um it's you know just started off with time machine ended with buried alive and then just had three really solid tracks in between um interestingly there's a uh i guess a reissue or there was or the u.s version has the wayne's world version of time machine which i have to admit i listened to once and couldn't really distinguish any major difference <laughs> about it i don't know if it was like if they re- re-recorded it and made us a, a different recording for the movie um but apparently it was different enough to be included as a bonus track um but uh yeah this was a cool choice i, I enjoyed this and and like i said like i went into this not even realizing that black sabbath had albums in the 90s never mind one with with dio on it and uh, so this was this was kind of cool. My my knowledge of Black Sabbath right now is is all over the place because we've f- focused on the first album and then this album. We're gonna do uh, a Tony Martin album next, just to yeah, really I round mean, things out. It's it's uh it's like Maiden. There's there's a lot uh a lot of history to uncover. I, I would I would say there's even more with Sabbath than Maiden, just because the band existed for. Uh, you know, an additional 10 years, probably. Um, I mean, this was their 16th studio album in 1992. And so, how many And how many more would they have after this? Oh, God. I uh, Let me tell you right now. <laughs> you, you're putting me on the 16th. This, it, it, at least another, like, 10 albums. After, no, no, I shouldn't say 10 albums. They, they probably had uh, three more after this. I think they had Cross Purposes in 94, forbidden in 95 and then they had like that reunion album in 2013 so they've had 19 in total but like oh i would have thought there would have been more there's since a this million one. live albums there's a million bootlegs that are out there it's like there's there's other material out there but you just got to have to kind of find it um but this was towards the tail end of the discography and then they've just been kind of touring this stuff over and over again but really interesting i'm curious on a scale of one to ten how high of a score you're going to give it uh, I'm going to give it a 7.0. I thought it was uh, a really enjoyable listen. Um, I totally understand that um, this was kind of an entry point for some of the people that listen to the podcast. And I think that probably adds a whole nother layer of appreciation that I just don't have because I'm listening to it for the first time in 2023. But I, I completely understand why this would be a memorable entry point in, in somebody's metal, you know, listening, uh, history. Um, and it's kind of cool, a kind of a cool time. Cause I mean, 
probably people who are about our age, maybe um, maybe a bit older, uh, would have started listening to to music in the you know or new I should say new music in the early '90s. And so if you were um, if you started out with metal, this would be an obvious starting point. Whereas we kind of started more on the alt rock phase, so we were you know we were listening to Guns N' Roses and, and bands that were heavy, but um, more of the mainstream bands. And at that time, you know, you were getting your, your Stone Temple Pilots and your Nirvanas and your uh, Alice in Chains, as you mentioned before, and that kind of stuff. And so it's interesting how people have different entry points into their love affair with music on a whole. Um, Speaking of that, remind me to tell you a story offline about something that happened this week regarding the blend of like 90s alt rock and metal. I think you'll appreciate it, but not for the podcast. Okay. Sorry, listeners. Uh, Justin's giving me some some uh, exclusive content. Yeah. Join our Patreon with, yeah. if you want to hear the story. <laughs> uh, well, story for, for another day, but um, I'm going to give it a 7, 7.0 as well. I, this is not the end of Dio. This is not the end of Sabbath. Um, lots more to discuss here, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed the album. So to all that selected it, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, our, our discussion as much as I enjoyed the album, which was quite a bit. Um, I just want to talk about a couple of things. As I mentioned, our next episode, we'll, we'll go back and we'll kind of recap um, the last week where I was on a cruise with 60 bands from and people from 81 different countries. It was just a surreal experience. Um, but some some tour news that I kind of just wanted to put out there. Uh, U.S. band Striper going out this spring. They're going on tour for about oh, a little over two months. They're starting in the end of March. They're in New Bedford, Massachusetts, and then doing a run heading out to the West Coast in late – or I should say in the first week of June out in Arizona – they're pretty much going all over the place, so you will be able to see this. And I have to say, I listened to their new album from last year, about two weeks ago, and it was really good. I don't know that it was necessarily going to be in my top 10, but it was probably up there with some of the other albums in my top 50. And for a Striper album, I just didn't expect it. Really cool stuff. Uh, a band that I would probably not go out of my way to see, but if the timing was right, I'd go check this out. Does Striper play shows on Sundays or is it like Chick-fil-A where it's just closed? <laughs> no, they, they, no, no shows on. We, they, they don't sell much like hardcore superstar. They don't celebrate Sundays. They, it's, uh. it's, 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 it's a religious thing. Um, Tarja, how's this for tour dates? I, I didn't think that she would ever kind of hit U.S. soil again after that Prague Power appearance. But in June, she's doing a run of shows for about two weeks. Um, Philly, Baltimore, New York, you know, starting out in the Northeast and then going out West as well. What, did you catch her at Prog Power? Did you watch that set, or did you? <laughs> no, I was having a, a mental breakdown. Oh, that, at that was. Time. <laughs> I had every intention of at least uh, catching some of it. Like I, my goal was to stick around after Alestorm and just and just stay until I either till the set was over or I just didn't feel like it anymore. Uh, just unfortunately, just wasn't in the cards. But um, this is the kind of show where. Where I live will be the reason why I don't see it because if 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 she was doing a show in my town, I I think I would just definitely go. I would just go and see it and whatever. But it's just to me not like a make a weekend trip, travel to New York, like or when I, I don't know if it's on a weekend, but you know what I mean. Like just it, to to make a to do about it, you know. Whereas for a band like Powerwolf or Halloween, which I'm 
you know, planning on attending in New York City in the next over the next couple of months. Um, that just unfortunately just isn't something that I'm going to go out of my way for. But if it were local to me, I probably would just because I've yet to see her sing live. I've never seen her sing live. And I feel like that's something that I need to, to see. I wish she would include more Nightwish material in her set. Um, I think it would be really cool for her to play songs that the band just doesn't play anymore and my understanding is they're not gonna do very much old stuff going forward that that um that show that tour that they did a few years ago where they kind of spanned the whole discography was kind of their farewell to the old stuff that's that's just hearsay i don't know if that Uh, anyone said that directly but uh number one nightwish has their singer uh floor for my money can front that band any day of the week. And they did play one or two really old tracks uh, when I saw them two days ago. So I'll, I'll again, a story for another discussion, but right. it, I, you know, they're, they're I, think of, I think of songs like the Riddler, which was a song on Oceanborn that I absolutely sure. love. I don't think the band, the Nightwish has ever played that song live in their history. So right. I know Taria has used a portion of the song, in her set, I think it's just the intro to it, and then it goes into. Um, I want to say uh, ever it might be ever dream. I, I I might be misspeaking, but um, I'd love to hear her sing the whole damn song. Or or uh, there's some songs that I just um, don't think they're gonna do with with floor ever again or ever at all. Uh, passion, passion in the opera, things like that. Like if, they, if she sprinkled if they... that into her set, I'd be more likely to to go see her. At some point, they can do the Halloween thing and just bring out all the singers, right? Yeah, like bring that them all would be wonderful. Court. I mean, it really would. It'll I feel like happen, there's a lot more but... animus with all those people. I, I... Although you probably would have said that about Kisk and, and and some of the guys back in the you know back in Halloween. Yeah, and they, they had more work. time to get over it. I think um, I, I'm pretty sure Annette is wants nothing to do with the band at all. I, I recall when they had their um, when they had that little. Uh, documentary portion that they added to one of their live DVDs of Floors joining the band. I think it was literally called Learn the Set List in 48 Hours or something yep. to that effect. Yep. There's literally a, um, a, a, a disclaimer that says the previous singer refused to have her likeness used. Like, I, I mean, she obviously felt spited by what had happened and I don't know that Taria feels that much better. I mean, again, more Taria has had more time to let the the wounds heal, um, but you know, not having really any ties back to that original lineup, other than uh, Tuomas and uh, the guitar player whose name I Empu. Um, you know, everybody else. You know, Marco's gone, and and uh, um, uh, I'm forgetting the drummer's name. Damn, Finnish names are so hard to remember. <laughs> uh, um, Yuka, Yuka, the drummer. Um, you know, I, I would love that. I hope it happens, but um, I'm not holding my breath. Then again, I didn't hold my breath to see Kisk and Kai back in Halloween. And, you know, time heals all wounds and money talks, I guess. Yeah, the... <laughs> that's the, less, the lesson of the day for sure. Yeah. One other little bit of news, Saxon going back in the studio. They're going to release a new album next year. That was a surprise when we saw them in Atlanta. I thought that that was a really good show and much better than I expected. They are 
the consummate professionals. They've been doing this at a long time, but they are still rocking out. And um, I'm happy I got to see that. I'll check out the new album next year when it comes out. Just good stuff all around. Uh, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Biff Byford is the best heavy metal name ever. Um, also, you know, being that we spent a good amount of time talking about Black Sabbath, we should probably mention that Ozzy uh, has announced that he is retiring from uh, touring because of his, uh, he's had some real bad issues with his back, apparently, um, real spinal situation. Um, I never had a chance to see Ozzy live. Um, I guess I probably won't uh, at this point. Um, my understanding is in the later years, I have I didn't really miss much, but um, he is a legend. And uh, I'll tell you, I, I saw him with Sabbath on their last run of shows, and they played Madison Square Garden. It's not that you didn't miss much. The, the, obviously, the stage presence is not what it used to be with him running around. But I'll say this. It was actually the opposite, almost like Wasp. It sounded too freaking good, right? Like I, I just knew something was up because like there was no way that this man could sound this good at 70 years old. Like it just – it wasn't possible. When I saw Genesis and I saw Phil Collins doing his thing, you knew that he was not getting sweetened because like it didn't sound great. Like he just – he yeah. sounded human and that was fine. Like I was cool with it. I feel like Paul McCartney sounds that way too. Like he's he does. not and he, nearly as smooth I love as he was shows. back in the day. I saw him over the summer. Like I, I – I, 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 you know what it is and you're okay with it and you're not expecting it to sound like 1968. Like I'm okay with that. But it was just too good and it almost took away from it. Like it was almost – you, you just knew something was up and like you almost wondered if he was just covering his mouth like you know on the microphone type of thing it was right. it was weird but nonetheless yeah well i, I have cool. to say like some of the some of the 80s to early 90s aussie songs are some of my favorite like metal tunes of all time so uh we'll definitely have to do a an aussie solo album one of these days because i'm i'm a big fan um I'm not nearly as disappointed that I didn't see Ozzy live as I was that I'll never get to see Rush live, but um, it, it's definitely disappointing, and it sucks that when somebody has to like doesn't get to go out on their own terms, and it's a uh, yeah, 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 you know, something like that. Because it sounds like he had every intention of going on his next tour, and it was supposed to be a big one. Um, yeah. So you know, but hey, man, what a career! I mean, the guy deserves a break. Uh, so you know, God bless. Uh, I, no, no arguments there. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do more Aussie. We'll do more Dio. It's just, uh, just the tip of the iceberg. We'll do some, uh, 70,000 tons of metal next week. And we will, uh, come back with a little, a little powerful surprise the following week. We'll, we'll get there, but, uh, enjoy the week, bud. I look forward to talking with you soon. All right. Welcome home. Cheers. Ahoy. <laughs>